Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Well, my name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here at Journey, and we are actually in week number four of a series of messages that we have been calling Unqualified. And what we're doing in this series is we're seeing how God uses broken and unqualified people to do big things for his glory and for our good once we put our faith into him. We kicked off this series in week one looking at the definition of what faith is. And we get that out of Hebrews 11 verse 1 where it says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And that word there, reality, in the Greek language, it means a strong foundation, right? It's, it's the, the firm foundation that we can build our lives on, not the Gillette soil kind of foundation, because that stuff crumbles everywhere, but a strong foundation in the things that are hoped for. And that hope that we're talking about here, it's not empty wishes or, or empty thoughts or anything, but it, what it is is a confident expectation of the things in which God said and God promised. So essentially what we're saying is that we have confident expectations that everything that we read in this book, in God's word, has happened or will happen because he said so. Right, that firm foundation is so tight and strong that we trust it. We have enough faith now to build our lives upon it. And in this instance, uh, particularly, we're talking about building our lives upon who Jesus is, or who he says he is, and what he accomplished for man's salvation. But the second portion of that definition said that it is the proof of what is not seen. Right? So, so the things that have not happened yet, those are the things not seen, but they eventually will happen. Right? Because of my faith in Jesus, I am absolutely convinced that the things he said would happen will indeed happen. Even if I don't see it right now, or even if I go through hardships or struggles or times of crisis or whatever, right? you trust him no matter what. And even if I don't see it and I don't understand it, I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. From that definition, we've boiled everything down to this. We've looked at faith is a reality, that God is who he says he is. And he has proved it by keeping all of his promises, that's past, present, and future promises. So that means that we can trust him with our entire lives, no matter what happens. Right? Faith is just saying, Jesus, I believe everything you say, and I am going to trust and follow you with my entire life, no matter what happens. Right? His ways are better than my ways. He knows better than I do, and I believe that with every fiber of my being, and so I'm actually going to turn around and live like I believe that. Right? And what we see by these people that we've been studying in Hebrews 11 is that they had a faith like that. Right? They lived out their faith and they proved what they believed by actually having a faith in action. Right? The faith that they had led them to act upon it. James, he, he wrote a letter in the Bible. It's right next to Hebrews. But he said that true faith will act. Right, But if you don't have true faith, it's going to be dead. 
right? Faith without works is dead. True faith in Jesus will actually begin to change our lives and drive us to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be image bearers of Jesus. He's saying that when we have faith in Christ, when we believe in him, that our lives are actually going to model that, and that is what true faith will look like as opposed to a dead faith. All of the people here mentioned in Hebrews 11, they had this kind of faith, this faith in action, right? Every time we've read it said, by faith, so-and-so did something about it, right? It's not by faith, so-and-so sat on their rear and didn't get up and do anything about it. And that's what's so admirable about this. And I think a lot of this stuff that we can learn from these saints, right? We can take notes on how they walked out their faith, walked out their lives, and see how to do that in our own lives as well. However, a lot of these guys had some pretty messed up past stories before coming to Jesus that would seem to label them as unqualified. But once they put their faith in the God of the Bible, everything changed. Everything changed. Those people are the ones that we are looking at in this series because God can use anyone who is willing to say yes to him, even though they have a past that would seem to label them as unqualified. That's why today we're going to be looking at Rahab and the others and how they were unqualified. Before we dive into this, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, for a wonderful time of worship and music where we can prepare our hearts, where we can give you those words that we sang, not just as words on a screen, but Lord, let them be words from our hearts. Help us to take those things and, and give them right back to you. They're, they're words of ascription of how good you are and how much we need you. Lord, now as we open up your word, as we dig through Hebrews 11 and look at some of these heroes of faith, help us to remember that none of us are too far gone to be used by you. God, that you can use anybody who will say yes to you. Lord, open up our minds, open up our hearts, and let only your word be heard here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Hebrews 11. And we're going to be kicking off in verse 31. If you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be up on the screen. Or you can follow along in a phone or a tablet. Or I believe there's some Bibles back on the table out there. But we're going to be in Hebrews 11:31, And it says this, By faith... Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. All right, so the first thing we see right here is a list of people who had great faith in God, right? A faith that actually moved them to action. And take a look at this, what they did because of their faith. Verse 33, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Man, that is an impressive, epic list of things to do by faith in God. And many people probably think God was just looking down from heaven and going, oh yes, there is the perfect person for me to use. They've never messed up in life. They have everything together. They are perfect. You know, me as God, I would be thankful to have them on my team. No, it's actually quite the opposite of that. We talked about this during week one. And if you missed any of these sermons and you want to go back and check them out, you can on the website or on the podcast as well. 
But God doesn't use people who have it all together. God doesn't use those who are holier than thou. You, re you remember what we said in week one of the series, if you were here? We said that God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And that saying, it's been around for a long time, but it still rings true to this day. And because that's true, and because that's how God operates, it ensures that God is the one who gets all of the credit for conquering kingdoms. God's the one who gets all the credit for shutting the mouths of lions. God's the one who gets the credit for quenching raging fires. All that stuff that we just read. Right? God's the one who did it through those who had faith in him. Not the person doing it on their own. And by using messy, broken, and unqualified people in the eyes of the world, there is no question who accomplished those big things. People are going to say, yeah, I, I saw them shut the mouths of lions. That, that had to have been God. Right? I saw the raging fires get quenched. Man, that had to have been a God thing. There's no way that this person could have done it on their own. That was a total God moment. And that is the kind of person who we actually see first on our list today. She goes by the name of Rahab the prostitute. Now let's stop right there and get caught up on who this lady is and get some background information. Right After God parts the, the waters of the Red Sea, and we talked about this last week, the Israelites, they get to the other side now. The Egyptians are drowned at the bottom of the Red Sea, and these people are now free from being in slavery for so, so long. Now remember, they saw God, the Israelites, they saw God do some amazing things, right? He sent plagues to Egypt. He instituted the Passover. He parts the waters at the sea. But now these Israelites are going to have to trust God and remember that he said that he would certainly be with them because for the next 40 years, they're going to wander in the desert. And probably not the way you want to kick off freedom, right? Wandering the desert for 40 years. Not, not really the family vacation you might have planned. You guys remember uh, the movie European Vacation with Chevy Chase? Yeah, and they get stuck in that giant roundabout in London. And they can't get out. Clark keeps trying to get over. So he just keeps saying, hey, look, kids, House of Parliament. And they get around. He tries to get out. He can't do it. So, and you see it go from day to nighttime. And he's still, look, kids, House of Parliament. And they keep going in circles. I imagine that's what happened with Moses and the Israelites. They're wandering through. Hey, look, kids, sand. Or look, kids, a rock. Right? And then eight years later, they come back to the same rock. Oh, Moses, stop. I don't want to hear it. Anyways, these guys, they wandered the desert for 40 years, seeing sand and rocks everywhere. And now after that 40 years, God tells them, hey, guess what? Now you are ready to claim the promised land. Right? This is the same land that was promised to your ancestors generations ago. And that's actually the same faith that we're talking about today, right? Because that past generation, they didn't get to see this promised land, yet they believed God in those things not yet seen, right? They believed that God would come through with this promise for the people, and they believed him, and now is the time for that promise to be fulfilled. But before they can get into the promised land, though, they have to defeat a huge double-walled city called Jericho. Seems impossible. But Joshua, who's leading the people now instead of Moses, he sends spies into Jericho. And let's look at this story. It's in Joshua chapter 2. And we'll kick it off right at the beginning of Joshua 2. It says these words. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left, and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And they stayed there. 
the king of Jericho was told, look, some Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Okay, apparently these guys weren't good spies. They got caught right off the bat. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the entire land. And what we see that happens is Rahab hides these spies on the roof of her house. In that culture, they have these flat-top roofs, and they would actually put crops up there so they could dry out in the sun, and then they could be ready to be used. And so Rahab hides the, hides the guys up there. She lies to the king's men and says, yeah, the spies, they were here, but they, they went that way, right, when they're still up on the roof. So she sends these guys on a wild goose chase in the wrong direction, and the spies are saved. Let's keep reading. Let's jump to verse 8. But before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof, Rahab, and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. Oh, God's getting pretty popular. This is stories going around. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings that you completely destroyed across the Jordan. And when we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. Now, don't miss this part. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Rahab recognizes who God is. She sees who the God of the Hebrews is. She knows who Yahweh is. And then she tells these spies, hey, I'm helping you because I've heard about this God, right? What he did at the Red Sea, how he fights for you, how he doesn't leave your side, how he is certainly with you wherever you go and that he keeps his promises. He keeps the promises to give you this land, right? Rahab has faith in who this God is, the, the same definition of faith that we have been looking at and working through. She hasn't even seen what God can do, but she has certainly heard about him and she believed. She believed with everything she had because she turns around and puts everything on the line, right? She lied to the king's men. That would have been treason. She's hiding criminals in her home, right? That's harboring fugitives. All of that, if she would have get caught, it would have cost her her life. She would have been killed because of that. But she trusted in God. And because of that trust, she cuts a pretty sweet deal with these spies. Let's jump to verse 12. It says this, Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. And the men answered her probably some of the best words she ever expected to hear. We will give our lives for yours. And if you don't report our mission, we will show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. And spoiler alert, that's exactly what happens. They get the land. Israel comes in. Jericho gets leveled to the ground. And Rahab and her family, they, they live happily ever after. All right, you guys have a great day. We'll see you later. That's, that's all I got to say. Yeah, you know better than that. I talk a lot. Right? But we can see easily why this story is inside the hall of faith. Right? We have this lady by the name of Rahab who was a prostitute. She learns about the God of the Bible and she turns her life to him. What we see is that she actually came to a crossroads in her life where she had to make this choice. 
Right? So like, should, should I help these spies from God, this, this same God who I heard parts the waters, who destroys kings, who will certainly get rid of Jericho because this is their land? Or am I going to give up these spies that I know are sent from God and let the king arrest them and probably kill them? But what she does is she decides to trust in the God of, Israel, of the Israelites above everything else. Right? She had her life on the line with this choice, but what she did was she turned to do it God's way instead of her own way. Right? That's actually the biblical word for repentance right there. She left the old behind. She turned towards God, started following him in his ways. And because of that, God used her to help conquer Jericho. You know, where are you at with that today? Have you, have you had to come to a crossroads in your life yet like Rahab did? And make a decision like that to say, you know what, God, you, you do know better than I do. Let's, let's try it your way. Let's do it your way. Have you decided to trust Jesus and actually put your faith into him? Or are you still trying to white knuckle through life on your own, to live according to your own ways and your own standards? And then you just constantly realize that it doesn't work that way. Right? It doesn't work well and you're miserable because of that. You know, Rahab, she knew about this Hebrew God. She knew about Yahweh. She and everyone else in Jericho knew that he parted the Red Seas, that he conquered kingdoms, and that he could certainly take down the double walls of the city called Jericho. They all knew that God was certainly with these men. That's why it says that they were all freaking out, that they lost heart, that they didn't know what to do. And she makes that choice at that crossroads moment in her life to trust God, to move forward, and instead of staying in her house in Jericho, just to die as a prostitute. And luckily, she makes a really good call. She makes a great call. She puts her faith into action. She helps the Israelites, saves her family, which in turn actually saves the world. Did you know that? Because if you read a little ways later, as soon as Jericho is, is leveled, she stops being a prostitute. She gets married to a guy named Boaz, who later they have a great-grandson that we all know as King David. And then several generations after King David, in the city of David, which is the town of Bethlehem, a baby is born, and that baby's name is Jesus, and he came to the world to save all of us. And all of that happened just because Rahab the prostitute, despite her past, despite being unqualified for the job, took a step in faith towards God. And God saved the world through her all because she said yes to God. That's good news. Right? So she helps change everything in history for the bettering of humanity by putting her faith in God into action. But you know what's fascinating? She does that. And she's still forever known as Rahab the prostitute. She's forever tagged as Rahab the prostitute. She saves, helps save Israel, right? Helps them occupy the land, helps be in the bloodline of Jesus the Messiah. But she always keeps this tag prostitute. And she doesn't become Rahab the brave or Rahab the hero, Rahab the helper or the friend to the Hebrews. No. Rahab the prostitute. How would you like to keep your tag of failures and sins attached to your name for all of history, no matter what happened? I know I don't want that. 
Right, just to give you some examples, I'll, I'll use my own name, and to clarify, these aren't confessions, these are just examples, okay? But how about forever being known throughout history, written on your gravestone, Stephen the Envier, or Stephen the Murderer, Stephen the Liar, Stephen the Drunk, Stephen the Addict, Stephen the Coward, Stephen the Cheater, Stephen the Hateful, how about Stephen the Angry, Stephen the Sexually Immoral, Stephen the Self-Centered, or we can just take all of those, wrap them up, and just say Stephen the Hot Mess. You know, what would yours be? And, and don't say it out loud, and, and don't be nudging your neighbor and saying, hey, I know what yours is, right? I'm, I'm sure they know. I know what mine is. Don't, don't be doing that. But, but what would your tag be, right? Rahab, she had to keep hers. She puts her faith in God, and she keeps this tag. Not even the guys listed after her keep a tag. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, they don't keep tags, right? They messed up too in life. If you look at Gideon, it says, yeah, in, in Judges 6 or 7, he boldly destroyed idols, right? And he was mightily used by God to defeat large armies of Midianites. But he was also a guy who doubted God's word at first and then repeatedly asked God for confirmation. You know, so he'd probably be known as Gideon the doubter. Or if you look at Barak in Judges 4, he led the people of Israel in this dramatic victory over the Canaanites, yet he hesitated, and he only moved forward when Deborah encouraged him to. God's encouragement wasn't good enough, right? So I'd call him Barak the Nervous. Or Samson. We all know about big Samson with his Fabio hair. He was used mightily of the Lord to defeat Philistines. Yet in Judges 13 through 16, he never lives up to his full potential, and he had a tragic ending to his life after being enticed by Delilah. Right? I would call him a luster for Delilah. He was constantly after that woman. How about Jephthah? He was used of God to defeat the Ammonites. Yet Jephthah made a foolish, stubborn vow, one that God didn't even tell him to make, and he kept this thing in Judges 11. Call him Jephthah the stubborn. Or how about the greatest king of all in history, right? King David, the, the man after God's own heart. But he sleeps with his best friend's wife. She gets pregnant and then she has his best friend killed, or he has his best friend killed on the front lines of battle. How about David the sexually broken? How would you like to keep that title? Here's a few more. Noah the drunk. Abraham, the too old, Timothy, the too young, Elijah, the suicidal, Jonah, the coward, Paul, the murderer, Peter, the denier of Christ, Samaritan woman, the divorced five times, John, the Baptist, the bug eater, and Lazarus, the dead. You know, why does she keep her title, but, but none of these guys do? I mean, when we come to Jesus, aren't we all new creations in him? Doesn't the Bible tell us that the old has gone and the new has come? Oh, you bet it does. Absolutely, it does. But personally, I, and this is, this is just a thought, but I think she keeps her title not to show how bad she was, but to show how good God is. 
It shows that God can take anyone, yes, even a prostitute. Right? Even the people that we may look at in this life and say, oh, there's no way, like they're, they're too messy, they're just too far gone, this isn't good, blah, 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 blah. Right? God can take anyone and use them for his glory. Right? If, if God can take this guy, if he can take me who had a dead superficial faith in Jesus, right? this guy in this City Brew poster that Pastor Aaron happened to see six and a half years ago, just driving through the drive-thru, comes across that one day and just reaches out and says, hey man, you, know, you, you want to play music at this little church plant? We're, we're going to call it Journey, but we're going to meet in this little fire training center. And then God uses him and molds him to actually speak to all of you today. If he can use that guy, then there is no doubt that God can use anyone to do something amazing for his, amazing for his glory and for our good when we put our faith into what he can do. And all you got to do is put your faith in Jesus. right? All you have to do is take that step of faith towards God, just like Jacob did in week two, just like Moses did last week. Just be willing to show up and say, God, here I am. I'm going to say yes to you. And then I'm going to take a step towards you. That's that faith in action. And God can use anyone who does that. So what is your excuse? What's your excuse? I just want this to be clear. God did not condone any of what those people were doing. Right? He didn't say, oh yeah, come to me in faith and then just stay in your life of sin. Just, just stay doing what you're doing. No. You remember in the New Testament, there's a woman who gets thrown at the feet of Jesus who was caught in sexually, uh, sexual immorality and adultery. And Jesus says, hey, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. Right? Turn from that lifestyle. Turn to a life of repentance and follow me. But what it is to say in that list is that God can still use anyone who puts their faith in him. All of these people were messy, broken, and unqualified in the eyes of the world. But God uses unqualified people to do big things for his glory and for our good when we put our faith in him. Are you sick of me saying that yet? That's what I'm working on. I want you to be so tired of hearing me say that, that you have it memorized. This list shows that you do not have to be perfect to make it into God's hall of faith, but you just have to have faith that he will go with you, that he will do it. You remember all those guys did because of their faith, not because of their unqualified past? They conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lion, quenched raging fire. They did all that great stuff. Women even received their dead raised to life again. That's impressive. Right, these guys all exercised their faith and it came out huge. Right? Big things happened because of their faith in God. However, does that mean that when you put your faith in Jesus that nothing bad is ever going to come your way? Now, once you do that, you're, you're never going to have bad health. You're never going to experience hardships. You'll always have lots of money in the bank. You'll have a great big mansion. Is that what that means? Absolutely not. Let's pick up in verse 35. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they may gain a better resurrection. Interesting. Did you know Jesus said in John 5, 29, that there's a resurrection unto life and there's also a resurrection unto condemnation? 
But these people listed here, they were worthy to get a better resurrection because they actually died for their faith. And it goes on to say, I'm sorry. They were also stoned, sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Right? They had such strong faith in those hard times, in those trials, that the world was not deserving to have them here. They deserved to be in heaven with Jesus because their faith was so strong. Right? They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and in holes in the ground. That's a pretty strong faith. You know, I heard this story from another pastor. He was, uh, he was out making hospital visits one day. And he got to one of the rooms of this lady who was, who was in there, and she was crying just almost uncontrollably. And when he asked her why, why she was crying so hard, all she did was hand him a book that she had gotten in the mail that day. And written on the cover of that book said, read this book, and it will give you the faith to be healed. And the patient actually happened to be a dedicated Christian, though, who trusted God even in the midst of suffering. But her anonymous person thought that all people with faith should be delivered miraculously, and that if they weren't, that they didn't have true faith. That's heartbreaking. That's sad, because we are all going to go through something in life. Now, I know God can heal people, right? I know that God can do miraculous things outside of our understanding, and he does them today still. But I also know that God does not have to heal in order to prove that I or that we have faith in him. Right? What about all those people we just read about? They were tortured, beaten, stoned, sodden too. Right? They weren't delivered from these difficult circumstances. Does that mean they didn't have enough faith? No. Right? They're, they're listed in the hall of faith, not the hall of no faith. Right? What about Paul in the New Testament? He, he has this thorn in the flesh and he begs God, God, please remove this thing from me. He does that three times. And God says, no, Paul. He didn't say it's because you don't have enough faith in me. He said, because my grace is sufficient for you. Does that mean that Paul, the guy who authored over half of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does that mean he didn't have enough faith? Of course not. What about all the apostles? Right? These were Jesus' closest followers. They were the starters of the church. They weren't rich. They had health issues. They died pretty brutal deaths. Does that mean they didn't have enough faith because they weren't delivered from those situations? Of course not. You know, Jesus died on the cross. Does that mean Jesus didn't have enough faith to be delivered from that? Of course not. That's ridiculous. What it shows us is that when those saints, what they went through, those trials, it actually shows us that God honored them. Why? Because it takes way more faith to endure trials than it does to escape them. It takes way more faith to endure a trial than it does to escape it. You know, sometimes we're going to prevail. Hey, that's awesome when that happens. But other times, we're going to be persecuted. Are you ready for that? Sometimes we're going to be triumphant. God's going to pull through and do something mighty for us. Awesome. That's great when that happens. But other times we are going to be tortured and possibly killed for that. Are you ready? Sometimes God doesn't deliver us in the way that we think he should, even though by faith we still trust him to do it. 
You know, it takes a greater faith to go through trials than to be delivered then. Because if we got delivered every single time from a trial in life, there wouldn't be a need for faith anymore. Right? We'd have everything given to us. But when we walk with God and when God walks with us through those situations, through the hard times, through the trials and the struggles, you know what it does for us? It causes us to lean on him, to look to God and say, God, you have to do this because I can't do it. And God, just like he did with the Israelites, he will certainly be with you and walk through them with you. That is putting our faith in God, trusting him no matter what. We sang that song, Another in the Fire. It's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from Daniel. You remember what happened? King Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, hey, everybody has to bow down to this golden idol. And they're standing there. And what they say is, you know what? We're not going to bow because we serve this God. And even if he doesn't save us from this, we will still trust him. That's faith. Right? And the non-believers here, they hated these heroes of faith. That's what they stood for. That's why they persecuted them. That's why they arrested them and tortured them, killed them. But God's view of these people was entirely different. Do you remember what it said there? It said that the world was not worthy of them. Man, I hope to hear that one day crossing over into heaven. Right, Stephen, welcome home. The world was not worthy of your faith in me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Man, I want to hear that one day. You know, some of the heroes, they shut the mouths of lions, but others of them were sawed in two. And not like the magic trick way, they were really sawed in two. Right, some conquered kingdoms while others died by the sword. And what this shows us is that we cannot ever say that the absence of being delivered from a trial means a lack of faith on part of God's children. Because these heroes, these, one who, these people who went through the hardest parts in life, they were looking towards the future, just like that definition that we had talked about, the proof in the things not yet seen. They were looking forward to being with Jesus because they knew that to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. Paul said it another way as well. He said, you know what? I have to stay with you guys right now and I'm gonna preach Christ to you, right? For me to live is Christ, but for me to die is actually to gain because he knew he would be with God. That's faith. You know, and as we close today, I, I wanna end my portion of this series by leaving you with a question. What is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to do or what is he saying to you? Notice I didn't say he might be calling. No, I, I believe he's calling all of us to something, to follow him. Right? We may have been hearing it for a while or thinking it, but, but what might you be sensing is something that God wants you to do? Right? He definitely wants you to join him in something that he wants done in your life or in someone else's life or partnering with him in the world to advance the kingdom. What's he calling you to do? But also, what's holding you back from saying yes to God and his calling? You, know, you may be thinking, well, I, I know what God's telling me to do. He's, he's telling me to do it his way and not my way. He's telling me to live for him and not live according to what the world says, but, but I just don't want to do it. You know, maybe you're still thinking you're, you're too unqualified from your past or your current mistakes. Thinking, you know what, I'm just going to fail again, so what's the point of even looking towards God or looking for God? 
And you know something? Yeah, you, you probably will fail if you try to do it like you did before, right? You do it on your own, do it without God, without his blessing. But you remember what God told Moses? He said, hey, if you take this step in faith, I will certainly be with you. God doesn't want you to go at this alone. He wants you to join him in what he's doing for your life because he is the one who wants to qualify you for eternity. Now, maybe you just don't trust what God says. You don't trust in the things that he's done. You, you don't have faith that God will actually show up and do what he promises to do. Okay. I get that, right? It, it takes time to build trust. But the only way to know that if he will show up is by actually taking a step out in faith and then taking another step and then taking another step and building that trust and growing that faith in him. And then we can see what he promises to do, just like he said in his word. It's not always going to be the promises that we want him to do, but it's going to be the promises that he promised to do. You know, maybe you just don't want to do it flat out, right? You've prayed. You've read what the Bible has said. You've, you've talked to friends or family about this. They've, they've shared truth with you. You know what to do, but you're just downright running from it because you're scared. Right, you're scared that, no, he is not certainly going to be with me like he promised. Maybe you're saying, God, just, just leave me alone. God, I don't want to do this. Leave me alone. Okay. I can't force you to do anything. Right? I, I cannot make you follow Jesus. Even though as a pastor, I, I really want to make all of you follow Jesus. <laughs> That's something I want. I want to see everyone in heaven, right? But I cannot force you to live for Jesus. That's your own choice. It's not a choice where you just say, well, you know, I, I go to church and listen to Aaron or Stephen, so I'll just get into heaven on their coattails. Or, or my, my mom and dad were believers, so that's good enough. I can get to heaven that way. No, this is your personal choice. This is between you and Jesus. So what I want you to do is, is just remember these questions. Remember these things, because one day, and, and I'm sure it's gonna come, but you're gonna have a Rahab moment like this, right? where you come to a crossroads in your life and you have to choose, am I gonna follow myself or am I gonna follow what the world wants? Am I gonna follow only what I want? Or am I gonna follow Jesus and what he wants and what he says and trust in his promise to certainly be with me no matter what? When that day comes, just remember Rahab's story here. And when that time comes, say, okay, God, if you are as good as you say you are, and you are the God who keeps your promises just like you say you do, and you say that nobody is too far gone and nobody is too unqualified to follow you, then God, I need you in my life. God, I need you in my life. God, if you can take me, my mistakes and my failures and qualify me for eternity, then let's do it. Remember those questions. Ask God those questions. God, what are you calling me to do? God, not what do I want to do, but what do you want me to do? Let's remember that today. Let's pray. Lord, we are so excited that we were able to go through this series together, that we were able to look through some of these heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. Lord, we're thankful for these people, for these men and for these women, that they would endure such crazy things God, that they would live for themselves, live for the world, but Lord, you still would come after them. 
Lord, you would still pursue these people, show yourself to these people, and they would do mighty things all because of their faith in you. God, we thank you for the story of Jacob that we looked at in week two. God, that he was faking to be his brother, that he wanted to be the firstborn so bad. But Lord, he finally comes to the end of himself and trusts you above all else, the real Jacob. Lord, we thank you for the story of Moses, how even though he pretended to be a prince in Egypt for 40 years and then how he was a shepherd for 40 years, Lord, even at 80 years old, you still said that I'm gonna do something mighty through you, Moses, all for your glory. Lord, we thank you for the story of Rahab, someone who did something amazing to make sure that you got the glory, someone who trusted in you above all else, yet she still keeps the title, the prostitute. Lord, I thank you that we can learn from her name. God, not to just drown in our past mistakes and failures, but just to show how wonderful and good that you are. God, that you can take anyone and use them for your good and for your glory. God, I pray for every one of us today, those in this building, those watching online, that we would have true faith in you. God, that we would be looking forward to the day that we get to be with you. Lord, that we are excited to see the things that are not yet seen. God, help us to be bold for you. Help us to be loving for you full of grace and mercy, but speaking truth with gentleness and respect. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross so that we can have eternal life when we put our faith into you. Lord, thank you for sending him so that we can move from unqualified to qualified. In Jesus' name and all God's saints said, amen. Well, guys, I've been honored to share this series with you. Truly, thank you for listening in. I, I know God has shown me some crazy cool stuff, and, and I'm stoked that I got to share it with you today and through this week and the next and the next, right? It seems like I've been talking forever. But next week, Pastor Chris, he's actually going to wrap up this Unqualified series for us, and I'm going to do something I hadn't done in a while. I'm going to grab a guitar and sing, so that's going to be fun. I've missed it. But today, Amy, she's going to close us with a beautiful song called Clean. And if you cry when she's singing this song, that's, that's okay. I'm not going to judge you. Maybe because I cried during rehearsal and all that, you know, don't worry. But you can remain seated for this song. But just let these words wash over you. Take them with you this week. And some of the words are this. They say, I see shattered, but God, you see whole. I see broken, but God, you see beautiful. What was dead now lives again, and my heart's beating inside of my chest. I'm coming alive with joy and destiny because you are restoring me piece by piece. There is nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy because God, you're the one who has washed me in mercy and I am clean. Hope you guys enjoy this song. I love you. God bless you. I see shattered. You see whole. I see broken. But you.
remember that as you go this week, that God can take the unworthy and make it worthy, and that God wants to move you from unqualified to qualified. You guys have a great week. It was great to see you. We'll see you back next time. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day and may God bless you.